was on us and I kept calling on the radio. I said, you, you're giving them our coordinates. And they go, no, chief, we're not. And I go, yes, you are. This, it's nighttime. He's tracking me at night. And it's Sularu, big old Yahoo. And he comes in, you son of a gun. Today, guys, we've got Randy Rawhide Worst in the house. Um, Randy is a is a bit of a legend um, to a lot of folks, and for a lot of reasons. Uh, where's the Where's the statue, Randy? Is that in Bozeman? Oh no, that's well, yeah, it's a it's a plaque, but it's a um, training yeah. center they built for me. That's that's freaking awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, but but you know, let's let's give folks a bit of a rundown on who you are because you've got a Interesting history, to say the very least. <laughs> you've you've been to all the cool guy places and done all the cool guy stuff. So so let's just give them a little bit of a rundown, Randy, on 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 kind of who Randy Rawhide Worst is and 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 what you've done over the years. And then we're going to talk about a little bit of the stuff going on today. But uh, let's let's give them a sense of who you are, man. All right, I'll give a quick synopsis. I was. Um... I had four old brothers that, that died at birth. So uh, Wyoming doesn't, in the 50s, didn't have a good enough hospital system. So they took me to California to be born. And I'm the only one, only male ever to my family to be born. Uh, wow. Only one made it. So uh, I grew up as a cowboy. So right out of the hospital, two days old, had two six guns, cowboy boots, Levi's, Levi's shirt. Uh, they couldn't find a cowboy hat small enough. Got my first horse at four, at five. My dad uh, broke it and had me right there with him. So I've been riding and uh, training and breaking horses and shoeing since, well, I started shoeing when I was a teenager. He made me go to farrier school because we had 23 horses. Wow. And he was tired of paying somebody. So he said, you, you're going to farrier school. So, and um <laughs> Anyway, um, I started off as a fireman. All my family were cops. Everybody were cops. Um, I went ahead and got a degree in fire science and a bachelor's in police science. I uh, worked as a deputy for about five years and then came in the military. Um, went special forces, but they couldn't. They stopped the program in the middle of basic training. So I went rangers. They they did that. It was training a choice. I didn't have any choice in it. Uh, so I started off in Hawaii. That's where um, the Rangers switched over the 25th from uh, mechanized to light infantry. So I was part of that. And from there, I went to Special Forces and did 25 years there and retired out. Were you fifth group? Yes, fifth group. Yeah. All I, my, my I whole thought so. Career. Yeah, yeah. Your whole career stayed in there. That's, that's pretty cool. How many times were you deployed? Jeez. The, um, <laughs> I, actually do have, I actually do have brain damage, and when they were uh, sending me through TBI, I didn't realize how bad I was. Um, I couldn't remember all that because before Carl's uh, SIF team stood up, it was called Embedded Package, and um, I was part of that, which was the CQB hostage rescue because they didn't have the battalion set up yet. So I would come back and deploy with one company, go to another battalion because I was trained in that and also was trained in uh, 
sensitive site exploitation for a radiation uh, chemical. Um, no, that's that's a bad thing. But um, yeah, so I don't pull on that, especially those. <laughs> yeah, I I probably have probably thirty deployments. Probably. Wow, really? Yeah. Wow. I wish Sue was here so that so we could have you guys tell the story of of him being hunted and not knowing who's hunting him and you hunting him and not knowing who you're hunting. Cause I think that's a great story. What was it? The jungles of South America where you guys were doing that and training no. or no, you, I'm sorry. Oh, was was, hunting. no, this yeah. is a training. They brought me in to instruct, be an instructor for uh, a sniper team doing a mission. And of course we, we practice um, in a similar area. I can't remember what state this was in. And they brought Sue in unbeknownst to me to track us. Of course, I'm a tracker. And uh, my guys made the shot and all that happy stuff. And I told them what to clean up and stuff. But um, they didn't clean up really well because uh, I didn't know they were going to have Sue. And he took his cleaning rod, put it through the window into the dummy, got an angle from the shot, and found the tripod mm. marks. And they were supposed to clean all that up. But I did this thing about escaping invasion and teaching them and stuff, and we were moving. But he's a Green Beret, so he knows how we move. Found the spot, yeah. figured about where we would have to leave, and found our, found our trail. One captain had distinct boots, and he was on this captain. And um, oh, man. I detected that we were being followed. So I had the guys. I can't do it. I'm an instructor. I had them. Well, you got to. You got to. Um, uh, set up an ambush on him. His two uh, guards are supposed to be watching for ambushes, not helping him track, but they had their heads down and everything. He doesn't need any help. They missed it, so we got him twice, but I didn't know it was him, right? And he, had, they, I think I'd have to ask him, but I think he had to wait an hour before he could retrack. So now I was doing counter tracking and everything, but if you know counter tracking, there's this place where all these rocks were big old area. Well, he just circled around it like I would have done and finally found uh -huh. it when we came out, right? And he was on us, and I kept calling on the radio. I said, you, you're giving them our coordinates. And they go, no, chief, we're not. And I go, yes, you are. This It's nighttime. He's tracking me at night. Anyway, daytime came, uh, and he hadn't caught up with us just yet, and they indexed it, all right, and said, okay, indexed. We were going to be picked up by helos, but something happened with the helos. So I said, um, tell the tracker to come into our our assembly area where our, we're in the boondocks with this team. And it's Sue LaRue, big old Yahoo, and he comes in, you son of a gun. See, I've been tracking all my life, but I never tracked at night. And I said, there's no way. They gave you the coordinates. And he goes, Randy, man, I'm telling you, man. And he showed me his trick with uh, this is a small elbow light, if you've ever seen the small ones, because you don't uh -huh. need a lot of yep. power. And all he needed nope. to do was have a shadow from a footprint. And then he yep. cast it. And not only not only was he tracking us, the other two guys he was showing us, okay, this is where they set up. Watch, you're going to come from here. I think this is the place they'll probably be found some footprints. Yep, this is where they had a cache. He found all of our stuff, right? I mean, it's, oh, it's wow. true. He's, he's one of us. He knew exactly what we would do, man. <laughs> it was great. But I, I thought they'd uh, were given a cord. I was so torqued off, man. But he did it honestly. That's that's great. Uh, and the, the track at night thing is that's impressive. 
But hey, at least you can say you, you guys ambushed him twice and got him <laughs> twice. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> he never actually We're, got you. <laughs> one of the biggest problems um, modern day guys will have now will be um, the uh, UAVs. Ooh, yeah, bad news. Yeah, we're not the only ones that have yeah. them, and that's hard to get away from. Well, as as Ukraine is demonstrating to everybody, um, off the shelf stuff is is a is a major force multiplier for the guerrilla partisan, whatever you want to call them. The you know guys that don't have a Department of Defense logistics train behind them to supply them, um, and just seeing what they're doing with them over there. You know, they're taking the racing drones, strapping an RPG seven to the bottom of it, and flying them into tanks and BMPs, all that stuff over there and just blowing them up. So they've got essentially a $500 smart weapon. Yeah. About what it costs them that they can fly into anything. And I was reading an article recently that said uh, that, that this, this drone revolution that's happened in Ukraine will change the face of warfare forever. Cause it's basically rendering armor almost obsolete and that you can't field it without it being blown up. Yeah. It's hard to, um, put reactive armor on top of the tank tanks have it on the sides so yeah. like the rpg would never penetrate the inside from the sides because it, it once it hits reactive armor it'll dissipate and never make it inside the tank but you can't do that on top but yeah. um we were we were asked to do um they wanted to evaluate brand new thermal imagery on tanks and then handheld stuff one time and we were in Nevada test site. So uh, my team got the mission. And they gave us these new beds. And you know, we're Green Berets. And you sleep in god-awful places. And we have these yeah. brand-new beds. So um, we were looking around. with something that we could do to hide our vehicles and us crawling on the ground. And the boxes, the beds came in were outside. So I cut them all up, cut them in, in odd shapes, and we spray-painted them and stuff. And we defeated up to, uh, we got within about 150 yards from the tanks before the night vision. The thermal wouldn't pick up our vehicles because it was blocking, just the cardboard. And really? uh, oh, yeah. the, the night vision picked it up about 150 meters out, but the thermal wouldn't pick it up. And then us crawling on the ground, they, we got about 50 meters before they picked us up with the night vision. But they never picked as simple enough, just cardboard will keep that from penetrating. But night vision, the combo stuff we have now, you, you have both of them. They're going to get you one way or another. Yeah, the units that are the hybrid ones that run the night vision, the light intensifying and thermal at the same time are kind of hard to, to get around. That's yeah. pretty tough. Yeah. That stuff's really tough. But it's, it's amazing seeing... You know, the thermal drones that the Ukrainians are using, they got quad and octocopters out there that can carry something like 15 kilos of ordnance, you know, and they're, they're hanging like six, you know, 60 millimeter mortar rounds off the bottom of these things and flying them out and just doing bombing runs on trench lines um, and, and fortifications and, and any kind of vehicle they see. Um, they're, 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 I mean, Russia's lost, I think it's north of 2,500 to, to 3,000 tanks right now. Somewhere like that is the number. Yeah. And and they're producing, I think that they can produce about 50 a month. Uh, the other day in Abdivka, in one day, they lost 25 tanks. 
I mean, could you imagine if we had forces deployed someplace and in one day we lost 25 tanks? Can you imagine how the American people would respond to that? You know? Yeah. Um, and the Russians are just quietly going along with it, but they're Russians and they think differently than everybody else does. So, well, they, just, I, don't think, a, I don't think the majority of their people realize how bad things are happening and they're not as they're not as great as they projected themselves to be and to be honest uh none of the armies are right now including us we have you know yeah. lost a lot of warrior mentality yeah they've tried to almost like breed the warrior mentality out you know by getting rid of ncos any kind of flag officer that's an actual warrior they got rid of him so now it's a bunch of you know ticket punchers and yes men at the top and and I think that they're killing the NCO Corps um, by not retaining enough of those guys because it's a it's a military now nobody wants to serve in. They're not meeting recruiting goals. Uh, we don't have the logistics and supply we once had because we gave it all to Ukraine. Um, it's almost you got to wonder if they're doing it on purpose, you know, to water down our military. Yeah, I do. I do think somewhere up the food chain. That's the point, but. Uh what will happen down the road is you won't get people volunteering. Uh, they'll have to come back with a draft and then that'll be horrible for, um, if you've been in combat and special op communities, um, with few exceptions or warriors, you're, you're born to it. Mm -hmm. You can be trained all you want, but you have to have the heart of a warrior. And when you see regular army guys, um, not all of them, but you will see guys that are in uniform, but they're not warriors and it breaks your heart. Um, yeah, yeah. they're soldiers, but they're not warriors. Um, and that's, what's going to happen. If we don't keep the warrior mentality, you're going to have a bunch of soldiers, but they're not going to be warriors and won't be effective. Um, and there'll be huge, huge problems, uh, trying to be effective, but we're not the only countries. China will have the same problem. Um, and Russia's having the same problem. So it's just a matter yeah, they're of having the problem now. And it, and it shows you can look at what's happening to Russia on the battlefield. That could be our near future, you know, throwing conscripts in with only a, you know, the training that they give those guys before they send them out is appalling. Um, they're lucky to get a week on the rifle range, you know, literally. Uh, and that's what that's what kind of soldiers we're going to end up with. And we can see what that leads to, you know, um, Russia's still doing human wave attacks with the commissars in the trench behind them, shooting anybody who doesn't move forward. It's like, they're still in that world war two mentality and their tactics even show it all even from the trench stuff, all the way up to the armored column assault, single file armored column assaults where they're, they're losing just heaps of armor. Um, it's, I think the state of warfare is changing entirely and the, the AI stuff, like Ukraine's now using AI to identify Russian targets um, through their surveillance capabilities. And they're saying that the AI finds more and faster than the humans were ever capable of. So you're going to end up with wars being thought, I think, where there won't be people involved except for way outside the actual conflict zone. And everything's going to be a drone. You know, well, Ukraine's uh, using naval drones, aerial drones, uh, tracks, vehicle drones, the whole thing. Yeah, um, that'll all work until something happens where uh, electrical grids and stuff go down and EMP type stuff. The most effective yeah. warriors, people got to get their head around it, or are going to be um, 
these, uh, I don't want to call them guerrilla fighters, but the um, uh, ones from the Middle East, from Iran, Syria, uh, Hezbollah, all those, very effective in what they're doing. Um, and even if there are no electronics, their dedication and their willingness to sacrifice themselves, that's hard to get around. Uh, you have to have dedicated yes. soldiers to step in, step on the, um, you know, on the wall and not move and take it to them. And I don't see that happening. I think they're better at that than we are right now. They didn't used to be, but right now I don't see that being the case uh, against American soldiers. Yeah, I don't see that. The future doesn't look good for the armed forces as, as the whole shtick for us at the moment. Um, but then things don't look good for us in general. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. uh, it is 2024 uh, officially, so it's an election year, man. What's, uh, what's your prediction, Randy? What do you foresee moving forward this well, year? God, I hope there's enough people that will elect Trump. We have to – the reason all the people in power are afraid of him is because he won't play the game with them, right? Uh, he was an outsider. And I don't, I don't understand why tweets are so dangerous when you look at actually what he did and accomplished. No one has done that since Reagan. It's unbelievable yeah. the things that he accomplished. Look at the peace stuff in the Middle East, and that all went the heck under, you know, Biden. My God, that that was, you know, Carter tried to do that clear back then, and um, uh, Trump was very effective and very effective leader overseas. And then he, our economy was great. This, this stuff about employment and stuff, those aren't high paying jobs. Those are people graduating from college that got to do low paying jobs and stuff like that. We get hung up. They own the language. <laughs> and so they put the language out they want that helps them. The truth of the matter is not being put forward because they control the narrative and that that's got to change people got to seriously wake up to that problem yeah it's it's almost like we're living actually living out like 1984 in newspeak so i don't know if you've been tracking the the stuff with harvard i think it's harvard uh where their their university president just stepped down uh, it's a black woman her last name was gay um because she was accused of plagiarizing a bunch of stuff as a student, you know, in Harvard. And so she stepped down as a result of that, but she stepped right into a teaching position or something in, in the university for the same salary of $900,000 a year. And so today all over Twitter and in the media are little articles and blurbs about how now plagiarism or claims of plagiarism is racism. Um, it's used by white people to hold people of color down when we claim that they're stealing other people's intellectual property. So that goes right to what you're just saying. They control the narrative and they will always put out the narrative they want. You know, the right. And I don't mean Republicans when I say the right, because the Republicans are not very right in this country. But the right in this country has no voice. We have no platform and we have no no mouthpiece, for lack of a, a better term. Um, and that's all they have. They've got hundreds of them that are spewing whatever the narrative is that they want put out. And uh, they're miles ahead of us in that regard. Um, I mean, I, I kind of hope Trump gets elected too. I'm not a huge Trump fan, but he did do a lot of good stuff. He was just his own worst enemy, in my opinion. 
But when we look at the potentials, uh, that's our best outcome. Because uh, I honestly, and what do you think about this, Randy? I think, I don't think Joe Biden's going to run again. Uh, I think somewhere in the 12th hour, they're going to step in and put someone like Michelle Obama up to run instead. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's a scary possibility. But uh, it, t- take an even playing field because it isn't because of uh, the news media and um, um, uh, what do I want to say? Um, the um, people up at the top, the uh, top businesses. There's a word I'm trying to look for. I can't think of what it is. I'm oh, like the Fortune 500 crowd, industry, yeah. the corporate crowd. Yeah. Corporate crowd. They control a lot more of what's going to happen in elections than we than we know that they do. There's a lot more of that stuff that goes on. So it's a possibility. But what the people have to realize is the path that we're on right now is, is the destruction and failure of the United States. Because one of the key things that is happening is the separation of people. Well, I traveled to 51 countries before I came in the military. I traveled around the world by myself. And one of the things that I saw when I did that and then in the military, I never ran into a country where they gave me anything other than saying they were English or they were um, uh, Moroccan. It didn't matter what country that I went to. That's all that they told me that they were. They didn't say they were Asian-American, African-American, European-American, right? You you can't survive if we're separated, and that's what this whole thing is. And you can't allow that to happen. We're Americans, and we have to stick together as Americans. Look out for us first, and then we can help others. I, I have no problem helping other people. That's what we should do. But you got to take care of ourselves. And the border situation will not improve if we don't have something like Trump in there, especially with Obama being in there. And you can't do that. You can't be invaded. And that's what's happening. Um, as a guerrilla fighter, as the premium guerrilla fighter for the United States military, unconventional warfare, um, that possibility that these people have come across are capable of doing that is probably about the 98, 97% chance. What, whatever will be the, the um, trigger point to all of a sudden do something to us, I don't know what that'll be, but they're not here because they want to be Americans. They have no interest. They have no invested uh, investment in us. So when things turn really bad for them and they can't get what they want, that's going to be a problem for the rest of us. You think it's you think it'll turn bad when they can't get what they want, get what they want, or do you think it will get bad when their handlers trigger them? When now this is for information I got that other people aren't going to get. When Hamas hit Israel, mm-hmm. okay, they're under control of Iran. Iran didn't yep. want them to do that then. Okay, so there's something down the road. And I don't know what what has to happen for their plan to to come to tuition so that they can disrupt all kinds of stuff and put America in different places. So we've got in, you know, we're uh, fighting um, 
uh, in Ukraine, the Middle East, and maybe even over in uh, Taiwan, whatever. Whatever yeah. the plan is, or attack us here with uh, sleeper cells, because there's just too many that that type of individual over here right now, right? I don't know what that mm -hmm. is, but they went too early. They were not happy about that. So that tells me that they have a larger plan, but I don't know what that is exactly. But it isn't good for us because we're the big Satan to them. And they have yep. their plan is to crush us. So if how we fall, everything falls. And that's what I don't understand about China and Russia. If the United States goes down, it isn't just the United States that suffers. The world suffers. You know, we, we're the economic engine of everything. And once that goes down, bingo. Where are they going to sell their stuff? Where are they going to have their batteries, you know, that right now that they're going crazy over? No, it isn't going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that's true when you, when you look at what the financial impacts would be. But like with the Chinese in particular, I don't think they care. You know, they've got their 100-year plan. You know, that they're always marching towards and what is it, 2045 or 2040 or something like that? They're supposed to be the sole superpower on the planet. China's supposed to be the last big dog on the block. All the other nations are supposed to, you know, either be, you know, decline to obscurity or irrelevance um, or, or dealing with such internal trouble that they're not an issue to China. Um, the Russians. After watching what they've done in Ukraine, I, I question their strategic thinking, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and their internal issues because they have substantial internal issues. It's not talked about, but they've got quite a bit. And as does China. China's got a demographic problem and aging population and a bunch of other stuff going against them as well as their economy. But I, all they have to do is outlast us. And with the way things are looking for us right now, it's not looking so hot. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of worried when I forget who it was the other day, like last week or week before it came out and said that 2024 is prime for a black swan event uh, that is as yet unforeseen, but they're predicting there'll be one. Uh, and, and, you know, as we know, our politicians always like to tell us what they're going to do before they do it. So I'm curious to see what sort of false flag event they come up with to, to, you know, put out there on everybody and claim that this is now the new boogeyman that we've all got to be afraid of. And we've got to unite and rally around this, you know, as Americans, all of us have to, um, and, you know, they might try to take some of the plays they're accusing Trump of, you know, as far as not wanting to leave office or potentially even suspending an election because of a national emergency. Um, and when they came out and talked about that, we're, we're almost certain to get a false flyer or a black swan event this year. Uh, it's like they're they're setting the chessboard, and you know, like you're saying, who knows what Iran's waiting on? And sadly, in the world we live in today, I wouldn't be surprised if there was collusion among them. You know, as far as setting us up for whatever's coming our way, I just think this year's going to be rough because the Democrats know they can't win this election. And, well, actually, they know they can win it because they won the last one uh, through nefarious means, and this time. They know they can do it again. So the blueprint's there for them. But they know, I don't think, that doing it two times in a row, <laughs> things might become obvious. So I think they're a little bit nervous, you know, about what they're going to do this election and how it's going to play out. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping the American American people, doesn't matter what age they are, what nationality they are, they're Americans. They need to pay attention to what their life is now look projecting at um, 
our capabilities. We're, we're completely self-sufficient if we want to be, but we're not right now. Yeah. That's 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 something that you really got to look at. That that's not just for us that are living. I'm, I'll be seventy-one years old in a couple of weeks, but we have our children and our grandchildren. They need to look at down the road for us, and I'm I'm hoping they will do that and um, not be blinded by uh, so much stuff on the the news that. Uh, is false information. But when I when I went to the police academy, there's two things they told you to be a police officer. If you believe in these or you go get a job somewhere else, and that is follow the money, and there's no such thing as a coincidence. If you couldn't believe in those two things, then you're in the wrong business. So there are no such things <laughs> as coincidence. But follow the money. Look at the money that's being, people are getting all around and where that's transacting. That tells you um, how many interests people have interest in the United States and they're getting paid to do the bidding of some type of foreign country or, or foreign entity. So uh, there's well, no doubt. We have, uh, there's no doubt proof mind. of uh, Joe Biden taking check, checking, taking checks from the Chinese. We actually have proof now. And, and they're, they were, Last I heard, were discussing impeachment proceedings. They were discussing if they had enough evidence, uh, but we yeah, have actual and, physical evidence of him taking payments. Until you can get the um, criminal justice sub system, especially the federal, uh, back on track again, nothing's ever going to happen to him. So that's, that's no, it's not. No, but there's a lot of people hey, uh, making money, and they gotta they gotta look at yeah. all these. Um, uh, big businesses, they got to look at where their interests lay. People got to be more inquisitive so they can understand exactly what's happening to them. They can't just um, sit back and not pay attention to the world around them. They they really do got to pull their head out of their fourth point of contact. Yeah, I, and I think for a lot of folks, it's... Um, uh, this is this idea of, oh, that's unpleasant and I don't want to think about it or it could never happen here um, sort of mentality. But what are you doing right now, Randy? And with with, you know, your view on the world and how things are shaping up, what are you doing right now? Are you just well, monitoring or what? No, I locally um, people that I know that are friends of mine um, helping everybody with uh, getting them squirted with uh, food storage. Um, medical supplies, talking to them about that, and uh, essential oils. And then on Saturdays, I'll uh, usually give them survival classes. I'll go through my whole thing. It takes, you know, uh, about two months for me to go through the things because it's just once uh, all day a Saturday from like 11 o'clock to about 4 o'clock. But I don't charge yeah. them. Those are people I know. I'm just trying to um, spread the knowledge that I have and experience I have to people it isn't just um, guys got to get away from the mentality of the backpack and then taken off with my go to hell rucksack. You have to have a place to hold up to work and you have to have other people to work with. You know, you, you need an environment that you can survive in. Uh, you know, we come from teams. We survive because we're teams. We were outnumbered 175 to six of us. Oh, I'm still here. And so is all the other boys. Okay. So things do work uh, in a team effort, and I try to preach that to people. It isn't a lone wolf that's going to work. 
and it isn't no no nobody can be an island in this it's yeah. it's you know it's, it's like the population is the water that the the um, partisan swims in you need the cooperation of your community as a whole not even a small team because it's the civilian population who will support you in what you're doing by maybe they're not actively supporting you, but they're also not actively picking up the phone and dropping the dime on you. And people forget these things that, that, that sense of community building and being an asset to your community, which the left is very good at, you know, they hold the taillight clinics and they do all these things for people. Like you can bring your car and if you get a little issue, they'll fix it for you. Um, the Antifa crowd does these community outreach, things like that, trying to show everybody that they're good guys. Whereas the right, nobody on the right really does things like that. Nobody does that community outreach stuff to show that that they're an asset to the community. They tend to fall back on the 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 end of, you know rugged individualism of, of I'm going to take care of my family. I'm not going to bother nobody. And when they show up at my gate, then I'll fight them. And that's just how people are going to die. You know, isolated and alone in their homes. Um, you know, instead of coordinating and working together to provide a unified and coordinated or defense. Um, and I think people really need to get that into their head. This, this, I'll, I'll, I'll have the fight at my gate. You know, that's you, you if that's where you're fighting, you've already lost, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you've waited till they're knocking on your front door, you're already, you've already lost, you know, um, Communi communications is another thing they need to, um, evaluate and get scored away while they can. So they can find out information, communicate with other people. Because remember, cell phones will be down. That's not a real problem to knock that stuff out. No. Nope. Um, one of the classes I'm going to do this uh, probably Monday for Carl when the boys come down from New York. I'm going to do a situational awareness. Now, I did black ops, long hair ops. Um, I, I won't get into a, a lot of trade clap, but what I will get into is um, keeping people's your eye open for danger stuff. And I don't mean a big cataclysmic type situation or when the things collapse. I'm talking about right now with we've had shootings in um, Clarksville, which blows my mind. Um, you never know when someone is going to do something stupid. You don't know what what triggered it financially, whatever, mentally. And you need to be prepared for that. But what you need to do is not, I'm not talking about engaging them. That's the last thing that you want to do. So what I'm going to try to teach them is to be situationally prepared to see it before it develops so you can avoid that and then call for help. Yeah, you can protect yourself. But people have to understand in combat, as Green Braves, we're the first in. Everybody do our fronts bad guys. But that's not going to be the situation in the United States. And how do you know somebody with another firearm is not a good guy? Okay. Yeah. Um, ju you just can't take that mentality that I got this weapon or whatever. No, situational awareness to know what's evolving and avoid it. One of my neighbors, I won't get into who that is, I found out um, how her husband passed away. I got to see the video. And he went in to pay for gas late at night. And when he opened the door, the guy robbing the place shot him and then shot the guy behind the counter. I don't care who you are. Oh. Gun on your hip, you, you can't prevent that. It would, as soon as he opened the door and came in, bam, he got shot. So wow. but there are ways to um, look at those situations before you walked in. And he was unaware of that. Those are things that I'm going to go over. It's not paranoid stuff. 
But things have changed in the United States. People are not being accountable for their actions. That means a lot more bad things will be happening. Well, it's almost like they're they're being rewarded for it in a lot of cases. You know, this whole no bail move that 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 prosecutors all over the country had for some reason. It's like they stopped being advocates for the victims of crime and started being advocates for the perpetrators of crime. Um, but but like you're saying, in general, people need to be more aware. How often do we see people like when they're pumping gas or walking on the street, they're staring at their phone. You know, they have no idea what's going on around them, you know. Um, and it and it does take training to to train yourself to behave that way. To, so you are always watching and keeping your head up and looking around. Um, and yeah, I don't think there's enough folks. I I have a feeling that that this year we're going to see a a deterioration of things even further. I think the the crime that we're seeing is going to increase, and I think part of that is going to be intentional because you know. They've got to get the people to beg for the solution that they want to implement, which is why I think this, you know, no bail things happen. And all these guys that commit these crimes are always being released with hardly no charges. You know, unless, of course, you walked into the Capitol building, then you're, you know, you're in solitary confinement. But I think they're going to perpetuate a worsening of the, the civil condition, like I said, so that people are begging them to do something. And I'm sure that they already have the the desired outcome that they want to implement ready. It's in the box. It's in the can waiting to go. And once they have enough people begging them to do it, that's when they'll do it. It's the easiest way for them to get what they want. You know? Well, what they want is more control and less rights for the American people. We have to be smarter than that and not, uh, I am, I'm a warrior. So violence is something that I've been in me all my life, but controlling it, knowing when to use it, Okay, no, we need, we have a legal system. We need to use that and bring change about that way and not let that pre-programmed box of outcome that higher people are waiting to enforce on us when enough people ask for it. We've got to make those changes beforehand, wake up to it and ask for changes to be done and demand them. You start locally, that sounds stupid, but if you control your local environment, then you can affect on up the food chain. But if, if your local environment screwed up, how are you going to how do we affect senators and governors? OK, it's you have to do it from a lower uh, grassroots level to make any difference at all. Yeah. Next next month, I'm going to be going to uh, speak to a bunch of Florida legislators. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Just what you're saying, trying to, you know, work local. And, and I think a lot of us forget that, too. Everybody needs to be thinking local anyway. Um, when you hear the rumors of them wanting to put mRNA stuff in, in the cattle feed and whatnot so that the, you know, so the livestock's getting it. Um, you know, Klaus Schwab just came out and said he's declared war on meat, the WEF. They don't want us to eat meat anymore. Of course, they'll have theirs, but they don't want us to have it. And so there's they've got a war on meat and a war on the private ownership of automobiles. Another thing he came out and said a few weeks ago was he's moved up his timetable for the uh, abolition of private vehicle ownership globally to something like 2030 or 2035. He doesn't want people to own private vehicles anymore at all, anywhere in the world. And this is an unelected jackass that's just got a pile of money that's deciding what the whole entire world will do. This isn't even the president of a country or anything. This is just one guy who throws tons of money at people, and that's why he's getting his way. It's because he's buying his way, 
Um, but but he doesn't want you to eat meat. He doesn't want you to drive a vehicle no more. That's just you a know? matter of control. When we come into um, a country, um, let's say that we were uh, powers to be decided we were going to come in and take the country back over, bring uh, an exile force back in and then take the country back over. So one of the first things you do is control movement. I'm not going to get into all the things that we do, but there you go right there. If you don't have movement, you control the people. Where they are going to go? Where they can get supplies? Who they can have yep. contact with? That's just basic stuff. That's part of following the money. You tell the people, and it needs to be brought out, um, who's getting this money from these people and what is it they have to do to get this money. Those things have to be brought out so people can see that and say, this guy's a piece of garbage. Because he's accepting this money from these people. Uh, that has to be brought out. The local news, Fox News is probably of uh, the bigger news ones that puts more out. Um, yeah. places, like, places like yours, there's a, uh, a bunch of uh, radio stations that have it. But how many people listen to that? How, how big is the, compared to CBS, NBC, and CNN, uh, CNN excuse me, um, it's a task. It's a problem, but we can't. I'm a. My colonel called me a Pollyanna because I always look at the positive thing. I will not let myself not have hope. And people like you and what you're doing and other people, that's my hope that there will be people, ones, twos, threes, four times. We can make a change, but they got to pay attention and follow the money makes a difference. You can see who's actually talking the talk or walking the walk. You look at the money they're getting. Yeah, and the best disinfectant for corruption, that kind of stuff, is the light of day, you know. But you got to get enough light on it. Um, and and with the control that's taking place presently over media in general, you know, if if the powers that be don't care for what you're talking about, you know, they can basically memory hole you. You, you won't get the reach. People won't be able to find or hear what you have to say. You know, and I think they're going to step further. And this might be the year they do it where they try to roll out their digital currency uh, and the digital ID, social credit score stuff. So that way, once they do that, that's absolute control because um, then they can control what you buy, how often you buy it, whether you can or not. You know, they might just say, no, you are not allowed to buy that at all um, and just be able to turn your money off. So once they have the digital currency, the digital ID. And you tie that into with cell phones. Now they always know where we're at. Well, they can basically unperson you. They can turn all those things off. They can shut off your phone, shut off your access to money, and shut off your ID so you don't have a way to travel anywhere. You don't have a way to do anything. You can't reach out to nobody because you have no means of communication. And you have no way to get any money. Nobody can give you money because it won't be a physical asset no more. And you'll just be left alone in the wilderness. I, I, I think that... They'll start doing that to people because it's easy. They don't care what these, these guys are saying or doing because they're just going to be alone in the wilderness, essentially. They'll just turn off their access to everything. Um, that's how I see it playing out, um, when in the beginning anyway, before things get kinetic. I think uh, that'll be one of the phases that they use. Totally agree with you. That's one of the scariest things that can happen because then you have ultimate control. If you can't control your money and they can say what yep. you can buy when you can buy it or you can't buy it 
and control your movement. Yeah, uh, people, you put it out. I hope those people paying attention to this because this isn't just hyperbole. This is actual uh, uh, plans that people have, and that's what they'll implement. Now, how they say they're going to first do it, that's like the turning on the, um, putting the frog in the cold water and turning it up slowly until it boils to death. That's what they'll do. They got to pay attention to what the end result is. Um, I hope people yeah. are paying attention to that. They've, they've got to wake up because we can only save ourselves. No one else is coming in here to help us. No, like, like we always say, uh, you know, we are our own first responders. And that just that doesn't just go for a car accident or, or, or a, a burglary in the middle of the night. It also goes for our nation. We are the first responders and, and we're the ones that need to to step up. Enough of us need to step up and, and make the vo our voices heard. But so many people are afraid to do that because they fear the consequences. Um, they'd rather, you know, keep quiet and go along with the herd for now. You know, they're waiting for. I think too many people on the right in particular are waiting for some signature moment that they could point to and say, that was the last straw for me. Now I'm in. But incrementally and slowly, methodically, they're losing their rights and their freedoms. They're losing the things they say that they're going to fight for when it happens. But they're losing them, you know, slowly instead of this 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 defining moment that everybody's waiting for. Everybody, Thinks they're going to wake up one morning and find out that the world has ended, and all right, now we now we're in this phase. They don't realize that we're already in the in the phase of of conflict, essentially. Um, but it's just it's not gone hot yet. It's very warm at the moment. I think you'd agree. We're you know we're at a very warm insurgency in this country right now. It's not gone completely hot, but I don't think it'll be much longer before that's a possibility for things to go full on kinetic and. Um, with the numbers of illegals being brought in here from all over the world, they're not all South Americans. There's so many Chinese, and I saw South Americans uh, in one the other day. They were interviewing a guy from South or South Africa, excuse me. Um, so everybody and their brother is making it across our border right now, and, this and we're encouraging election, it. Yep, this election, as far as the speed of what happens, this election will determine how how that's going to play out. Um, I don't know if we don't get the proper people elected, whether we can uh, stop it without having some serious damage uh, and lack of freedoms. If we can get, uh, and I want it to be Trump because he's the guy that will not pay attention to the norms and try to do what is right for America. That's what I love about the guy. America comes first, and we have to do that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, Doggone. The American people are capable. I, I read stories, um, Japanese soldiers and German soldiers talking about Americans and how how uh, their ingenuity, they, they would knock something out. Two days later, the American guys would have it back online and fighting. I was brought up that way. You were brought up that way. Yeah. Um, Yep. We can't we can't lose that. That was a unique thing about the United States. You can knock us down, but somebody would come up with something and bingo, we could get it get it going back again. That's a belief and a love and understanding for a country. We can't let that fall by the wayside. And that's one of the things we've seen with the college you were talking about earlier. 
uh, Ooh, separating yeah. us from from loving and understanding. No country was ever formed without violence and taken over from somebody else. Okay, there were two hundred. Yeah. There were 200 American Indian tribes that disappeared before the white man ever got here. So what happened to them? Okay. Yeah. You know, the world. Yeah, the, the entire concept of, of occupied land, that's true. All land is occupied by somebody um, versus stolen land. Um, it's not stolen. It is conquered. Uh, but that's those are, those are laws of nature. This is one of the things I try to impress upon people because I think humans in general – and intellectually, we have forgotten that all we are is another mammal predator on the face of this earth. We're just another animal like any other. So when you look at Africa, a pride alliance is a territory it hunts. It belongs to that pride as long as they can defend it from encroaching prides. If a bigger, stronger pride comes along, they get pushed off. And if we look at society today, you can ask them the question then, well, should we go kill the encroaching, the invading lions, because these lions were here first. Oh no, that's different. No, it's the same exact thing. This argument of stolen land and occupied land, in in, in nature, and, and, and as you well know, you're 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 a survivalist, Randy, just like I am. And I like that term myself too. In the laws of nature, the only thing that is yours is what you can defend from others. Yeah, what you go out and get. What you go out and acquire, what you go out and kill for food is yours as long as you can defend it from everything else. And, and we forget that. People are the same way. We're just way more dangerous at it than all the other animals. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're smarter, we, bigger brains. we got weapons. Yeah. And we have, uh, unlike their survival, just to survive, ours is a lot of it's based on power and power, money's power. And that's one of the biggest uh, things so we have evilness uh that yeah. tempts us and we we have to keep that that good heart you have to you have to believe in something bigger than yourself um what i tell people is look i'm a warrior i'm i, I i'm not a uh what do you call it? not a preacher but uh a, a guy that goes around and tries to convert you a um missionary oh, oh that's not my job yeah. right so I tell you, listen, if you don't want to believe in God, that, that's great. That's your opinion. But you can save your shit for him because when you die, you're going to meet him. There's no question about that. Yeah. You don't have to believe it, but you're going to meet him. I just don't want to hear your crap. I'm not going to convince you, but, you know, <laughs> save it for him. Yeah. Yeah. You just arrange the meeting. That's all. <laughs> well, I've done that before. Yeah, once or twice, a couple times. Yeah, a couple times. <laughs> well, Randy, I know that you give classes and stuff. Um, and I know that you have, do you have a website now? No. You have a I little website? Work, you don't I have anything anymore. The, the problem is um, the people that I had my business through, they all lot, one, one sold the property, the other two lost their property. So I'm just uh, working with tactical riflemen now. Okay. Well, who knows? Maybe this year, maybe we can look at later in the year trying to plan one up. Me and you will go do and see if we can get some folks to sign up for it. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Just cool. a good old-fashioned survival kind of class, you know? Now, the or I've always wanted to do a class like this. I've always wanted to do a class where the students bring their kit. Back to that, that uh, rucksack you were talking about earlier. They bring whatever they think 
they're going to use to support and defend themselves with when things go bad. And then for three or four days, they have to operate just like they're in that world of, you know, maintaining security, camouflage, noise disciplines, you know, light discipline, all the things while taking care of their basic needs and having to deal with stuff. But, you know, weapon security, their gear, the whole thing, doing things like blowing them out in the middle of the night, making them move fast in a hurry and see how much stuff they leave behind um, and really put them through it because you've done it. Um, I've not done it nowhere near to the degree you have, but I've done it too. And I think most people who have never tried to operate in an environment like that don't quite understand exactly what it looks like. And the romance never lives up to the reality of these things. And I would rather people learn that hard lesson now than when game day comes and they go out and try this stuff and end up being a loot drop for somebody who's actually put some time in the field to do this stuff. So that's a class I would love to do. You know, uh, we can do that. Have because, a hard lesson. No, because that'll teach them. Uh, one of the best ways to teach people is to test what they think that they need and their their talents, and then put it to the test. And when I first did my survival schools, remember uh, my grandfather's from the reservation, and, and he taught his boys. There was a transition from boyhood to manhood, so my dad did the same thing to me and my younger brother. He he waited uh, till my younger brother was 12 and I was 14 so he could do it at one time. But my younger brother and I thought he was trying to kill us. And that's how, so when I got my school, I did the same thing and realized I don't need to be to that point. But what I need to do is have the people bring what they've got, test them with their stuff, show them the differences uh, where, uh, where the failure is a learning tool, but also mm -hmm. how they can adapt. And uh, you can't do that unless you try it. So I love to do something like yeah. that. Now, June and July, I'm in Montana with the Gold Star Kids doing the survival training. I think uh, I'm going to be in Montana in August. I think there's a thing in August I'm going out to Montana for. Ooh, we'll have to see the dates. Maybe you can come by the Station Foundation. Love that, man. Oh yeah, no. I mean, because I, I'm going to be in Wyoming. I know uh, sometime this summer for a little bit. Uh, I've got a book that's set out there that I'm going to finish. It's, it's several years in the making now, but I'm going to go out there this summer, and I'll be out there for a little while uh, finishing that book. So yeah, I'll holler at you, man. And if I can come up to Montana when you're doing something like that up there and hang out, that'd be awesome. And who knows, maybe we can come up with uh, brainstorm this class a little bit. We might be able to put something like that on out that way too. Because I'll, I'll say one thing about the folks in like Wyoming and out in that area, Idaho, they like to take training classes. Um, those folks like to train as opposed to lots of other parts of the country. And, and I know people hear me bitch and gripe and talk on training all the time, but you can own all the stuff in the world. Uh, but if you don't know how to use any of it, especially like we're talking about right now, Randy, like where you're living in the field, you know, this is your lifeline. This is what you have. Whatever you're carrying is all you got. And you've got to learn how to make the most of it and make the right decisions for what you're carrying. Um, but getting out there and experiencing that and suffering with it because you're going to suffer. <laughs> I don't care what the weather's like or what's going on. It's it, you're going to suffer some. Um, that's how you learn those lessons, though. You know, yeah, that's where you and make the mistakes in training, not in real life. You know, absolutely. That's why we train as hard as we do in special forces. Uh, we have what we call my school is called the worst case scenario survival school because. 
our intel sergeant would uh, pit us against our worst case scenario. He played the bad guy. And then when we identify what that was, then we would train really hard on that. And almost always, one of those worst case scenarios would always come to play when we went into combat. Always it was there. So that's why I called it the worst case scenario survival school. So they need to train hard, see what they can and they can't do. So when they get there, they're not, um, they're more applicable to survive the situation. And you've got your imagination, your capability uh, of your experiences and how you look at things are extremely important. But at the end, when everything is left to you, it's your heart that's going to bring you through that. You got to have the heart to want to survive and help others. It, is, it isn't just all your brain power. A lot of knowledge is there, and you got to use that. But at, at the end, when we've been up against it, and I don't want to get into all that stuff, it's the heart that brings you through, and they got to do that. Yeah, Alan Kay, my good friend, he, he's got a couple couple lines that he's coined. Well, one he didn't coin; he just uses a lot. But the other one he coined which is that most people lack an experiential frame of reference. So they're, you know, thinking of something, looking at something or, or they're, or even they're, they're potentially in their minds living it like preppers today. They're getting all the things and, and they might be taking some classes and doing some stuff, but, but either intentionally or unintentionally, they avoid doing the hard things. Um, it's like I tell groups when I talk to them, I'm like, if you want to do serious training and you want to do real training, um, Wait till it's going to be pouring rain for three days and then take your group into the field and, and conduct an operation then. Um, and it can be just as simple as setting up an LPOP and keeping it manned for three days um, in this environment. You know, wait till it's cold out and raining and go do it. Wait till it's snowed three feet if that's your AO and then go out there and do these things. You can't go out on the perfect, sunny, you know, nice days and, and everything works out easy and everything's great. Uh, because you don't learn anything there. Um, if anything, it's reinforcing bad habits that you may already have. So you need to go out on those terrible days um, at night and do movements at night, do all these things that, that nobody actually practices. Um, and, and back to what you said about it being your heart that will help you prevail. Another thing that Alan always says, says often is, is that most contests are won or lost in the mind before they ever begin. So if you go into it with the attitude of ain't dead, can't quit, you know, then that's like you said, that's what's going to see you through is that drive, that internal drive. Um, you just tell yourself, I'm not dead, I can't quit. You know, what's the problem in front of me? I'm going to work this problem and then I'm going to work the next problem and then I'm going to work the next problem. And you just keep going. You don't, don't try to look at the whole picture. Look at the immediate. What's going to kill me first? Deal with that. And then, all right, that's taken care of. What's going to kill me next? And deal with that. And I don't care if it's a bad guy with a gun or it's, you know, sleeting and hailing outside and, and you're outside. You know, you got problems to address and deal with quick or both of those things are going to kill you. So I think getting folks into the field to actually experience it and develop that experiential frame of reference so that they know what it feels like. You know, that they know what it's like to try to tend a fire all night to, you know, as you well know, you don't sleep. You know, <laughs> you're not going to sleep none if you're if you've got a fire. You're trying to keep going all night, um, but that's also a really bad tactical idea to try to keep a fire going all night. So you need to learn these things and, and learn how to live uncomfortably, which is another thing I think people are adverse to today 
There's a big difference between uncomfortable and dead. You can be freezing cold and you can be wet and freezing cold and still be alive. If you're feeling cold and you're feeling wet, you're alive. Your senses are working. Um, you can you can be uncomfortable. And I think that's a big lesson that, that folks are going to learn. Because when we look at natural disasters, even like after hurricanes, especially here in Florida, the, the people that are losing their minds because there's no electricity, there's no AC, it's really hot, you know, all the things that come with it. Um, learning to adapt yourself and how to deal with that discomfort now uh, would be a good thing to do. And the only way to do that is to put yourself out there and be uncomfortable. What are the biggest examples of that, that call? I don't know if he'll start it up again, but the Valkyrie sniper missions. So oh, yeah. One year, one year the tornado hit and the water in two hours went up 16 feet. Now, we had no communication. We had four means of you have your primary altered contingency emergency plan. And we had that for a combo, right? Everything went to hell because this tornado except for the emergency. And that's where a guy was standing before we would get crushed trying to go underneath this bridge because the water came up to it with a cax to pull us out. But the point is that was so miserable. You, you now we have to suffer through that too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the advantage is when you get there and these guys have thousand yard, 1200 yard data on their guns and you're freezing, shivering like them and you're laughing because you've been there and done this. You're not making that shot. And so at the end, they're within 300 to 200 meters to make the shot because you have to make the shot. You can't make that shot when you're, when you're shaking and all this stuff has happened to you. So that's a perfect yeah, when you're, when you're sitting there jackhammering behind that rifle, just yeah. jackhammering this chest. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember at my hands, I was laughing because I was shaking like this, and they were behind the gun doing the same thing. I go, you're not making the shot, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an experiential frame of reference, isn't it? <laughs> but they got to remember, we're suffering right along with you. Oh, now, yeah. We can smile yeah. about it, but we're right there doing the same thing. But that's, that's the advantage in the SF mindset and training. So when we went downrange and it was, um, whether it was a, um, the desert sandstorm or something, we still went out in it and did our missions. Why? Because it was a miserable condition, and those guys wouldn't want to be in it. But yeah. we were out there doing that stuff. That's how you make the difference. That's how you overcome this stuff and be successful. Not because not it's pleasant and it's easy. No, you do it when it's tough and it's hard. Yeah, we need, we need more Americans that are willing and capable to cross the frozen river on Christmas night and slaughter a bunch of Hessians in their beds. I think it we need more. Then I didn't know that they used bayonets. Did you know that? They didn't yeah. have it. They yeah, they used to. Wow. That's, I never knew that. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they they they, they got them in their beds using bayonets because they're trying to keep quiet. And uh, I think that, like you said, that warrior spirit, even if you've never served, that doesn't mean you're not a warrior. If you if you don't have that kind of training, that doesn't mean you're not a warrior either. Um, it just, it means you're a, a warrior that needs some training and you would be a better one if you went and got some. So that's, that's something I harp on all the time. I don't care where you take training from as long as they're a credible instructor. There's some people out there you shouldn't go near, but, but find a credible instructor and take some training from them and train with various instructors. Cause everyone's going to show you a different way uh, of something. Um, but, but get out there and train guys. It's, it's, it's money well spent and it's the best investment you can make. 
you know, don't buy a $3,000 rifle, buy a $900 rifle at $2,000 in training. <laughs> because you can get guys like Randy, Carl Erickson, Don Edwards. There's, there's loads of these guys out there that offer invaluable training. Like these guys have spent their lives developing these skill sets. The, 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 the U.S. government put millions of dollars into training you alone, Randy. You know, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, you know, you've got a Ph.D. in war fighting from the <laughs> from the Department of Defense. And you're just a trove of knowledge that if people come out and take a class with you, they're going to learn from you, you know. And, and like I said, I'm serious. I want to talk with you some more and see if we can set something up and I'll see if I can find us a spot, which we've got access to property all over the country. Where people want to host things like this and we'll see if we can get some folks to sign up. And uh, I'm thinking a three or four day would be about right for that. You know, have them okay. doing some long distance movements, having them do movement at night. Like I said, maintaining security the whole time. They lean a weapon down and walk away from it. We'll take it. I don't know where it went. Uh, and then, too, blow them out of their, their hooches in the middle of the night, um, timing them, how fast they get out, that sort of thing. And uh, just make it in generally miserable because that's what it is. It's generally miserable. Um, until our vehicles are taken from us, we also need to add in mobility. They need to learn what they can pack, why they pack it, but they have to be trained in it because just packing stuff doesn't mean anything. And how they yep. move, it's important on how you move. And I, I wrote that manual on um, vehicle operations. I mean, I grew up doing that in Special Forces. We took over from the British, the uh, Rap Patrol. Fifth Group took took that over. We know our stuff on movement and vehicles. And that's an important well, That'd be a whole another class right there. That'd be another great one to do, you know? Yeah. Uh, now, are you, when when they, when you're talking about this, are you talking like covert movement or overt movement? It's, it's not necessarily covert movement. It it would that would have to be like they shut down places and you would have a problem moving. But right. when you're doing moving from point A to point B, you're still always going to be situational aware of things that could uh, choke points, bad places that you don't want to go. But it's the type of stuff you have in your vehicle that can get you out of situations and knowing how to work it and then how you do that travel, actually how you use your vehicles. And it's, it's um, the same principle you would if you we were just traveling to go hunting, how we would support yeah. each other and stuff. It, it's not nefarious. It's not just combat. It's a, a practical way of using your vehicles for communication and um, – making sure that uh, the like the back vehicle is there to support the front vehicle if something shouldn't happen. He's your uh, he's your point man. And it doesn't matter if we're going yeah. hunting somewhere or something like that. You still want to look at it that way. Yeah, well, you know, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. You know? I got one last question for you, Randy, because I'm curious about this one. Who hung the, the moniker Rawhide on you and why? When... I was a small boy. The school I went to only had 60 kids. We had two classrooms, first through fourth grade. That was B. Weir. And Mr. Weir did fifth through eighth grade. Okay. And so because we only had 60 kids, the first kid that came that had, like Randy Ramstead, had, was the first Randy. I came and I was the second Randy. And I was a cowboy. All I had was cowboy boots, Levi's, Levi's shirts. Yeah. And uh, 
So the, the teacher named you Rod because you had they had a way, way of distinguishing it. They weren't going to call you Randy and Randy. So that's yeah, how I got yeah. Rod. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, we're coming in on an hour, man. You uh, you got anything you want to leave folks with? Anything you want to tell them about? Where they you got something coming up you want them to know about, or where they can find you, or words of wisdom? Leave it up to you. Um, no, I, I'm just going to do that thing on situation awareness through Tactical Rifleman. Uh, I don't know what all the videos are going to do, but it's something they need to pay attention to they don't think of. And words of wisdom, um, I would do this. Um, I've always known there was a God. Believe in your heart. Treat people like you want to be treated and, and help your neighbor. Don't, don't do it to it's detrimental to yourself, but think of others. And that, and that also is when we're driving, for God's sakes, have some manners and discipline yeah. when we're driving. We're, we're people, we make mistakes, but have goodness in your heart, man. I do. I know you do. I, I love you, man. You're, you're, a, good, right, you're a good spirit. So uh, you guys that will pay attention to this, treat people good. Treat people good. That's a, that's a great way to end on right there. Just in general, just treat people good. Uh, and thanks for saying that, Randy, because you're the same, bro. Cool. It's been a pleasure. I'm, I'm really glad I got to meet you. To meet so many awesome men, you know, Carl, you, all, all these guys that I've met, you know, like Emery and, and countless others, you know, Alan, my brother, um, through this life, it's, it's, um, it's nice to find kindred spirits, you know, I don't care how far away we are, you know, you're, you're, I can always reach out. You guys are always there and it's just freaking awesome. So, um, well, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Uh, as you've heard me and Randy talk about training is a key thing. Um, this year is going to be probably tumultuous, to say the very least. I think we need to be ready for the unexpected at any moment. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how how this election and everything plays out. Um, I don't have a warm and fuzzy about it. Let's just leave it at that. So, um, Randy, thanks for being here, brother. And uh, I'll shoot you the dates. And you talk to Carl, too. He knows the dates for Mountain Readiness, man. You should come hang out with us. Be a good time. You'd enjoy it. I'll introduce you to some other folks, too, that uh, you would really like to know. I know. So, all right. You guys well, know the drill? You. Yeah, of course, man. And we're going to have you back on again for some other stuff, too. I think we're going to do this again. we got more stuff we can talk about. And we're definitely going to talk about doing a class together. Uh, I like the convoy class, the vehicle class you're talking about. And also the other one we were talking about. I think both of those are pretty cool. Um, hell, I'd like to take the vehicle class from you. So <laughs> we need to figure that out and make it happen. But okay. You guys know the drill. Be good or be good at it. Uh, welcome to 2024. Let's see. Uh, let's see how this uh, chip show plays out. We'll catch you guys later. <laughs>